What is good, everyone? You are listening to WKNC 88.1 FM HD1 Raleigh. We are a student-run nonprofit radio station based out of North Carolina State University. I am DJ Whippopotamus. This is Local Industry Talks, where I interview local artists from around the Mid-Atlantic region. Here with me today is a very special guest, Dr. Gary Beckman. How you doing? I'm doing great. What's going on? Good, good. Um, find the place all right? <laughs> I did, actually. So Dr. Beckman is actually my professor for my arts entrepreneurship minor. He's You've actually been my only teacher in the minor. It's been pretty great, though. We, oh. I feel like we built a pretty good uh, professional working relationship. I think so. Yeah, it's I been, think so. It's been great. Very enlightening, too. Um, I think so. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure it is. Um, yeah, you want to introduce yourself to the listeners, let them know where you're from, what you do, your credentials, all that? All that. Sure. Um, um, just like Brandon said, I'm Dr. Gary Beckman. Um, I direct the uh, Entrepreneurship in the Arts program here at NC State. Um, I got here in 2011. Um, I designed the program and all of that. Before that, I taught uh, the same thing and designed the nation's first music entrepreneurship minor at the University of South Carolina. Oh, I didn't know that. It's true. Yeah. And before that, um, I did my PhD at the University of Texas at Austin, Hook yeah. and Horns. So, Hell yeah. And, and, that, um, and that's where I started all that. Where's your hometown? Um, um, I'm a Navy brat, so, right, right, so right. kind of all over. Um, but I, grew, I did the majority of my growing up in uh, New York. Okay. Saratoga, upstate. Hell yeah. And um, raised my daughter in Maine. So I'm basically a New Englander. Dope. Yeah, I think uh, we have to let everyone know that. There are other parts of New York besides the city. <laughs> there are definitely <laughs> other parts. It's a huge misconception. <laughs> That's true. I mean, New York City is barely even in the state. <laughs> that is correct, it's like actually. On the border. <laughs> yeah, so like I said, your, your class is very enriching, and I know I've got a lot out of it. I know a lot of other people have too. Um, and that's, that's why I want to bring you on, just to give our listeners the, that, that type of enrichment and knowledge and just, just spread overall awareness about the art industry and how we can work that. Cool. So how long have you been involved in the art industry in general? Mm, um, so I'm a musician. Right. Um, definitely a metal guy. So, uh, so my, basically my entire life, uh, sans a little, um, a little acoustic period, um, has been electric and loud. Um, so I, I actually started playing guitar when I was nine years old. And uh, I mean, I learned, okay, yeah. I learned basically, you know, finger style blues. On tw- you know, twelve string, six string, and all that. So it, I started with wow. really fairly hard stuff right okay. off the bat, and that's what fueled, you know, all the complexity that I love in, right. in music and art. Of course, of course. Um, th- were you taking classes when you were younger, or did you just jump into it? Um, I, j- I just jumped into it. Yeah, I okay. just jumped. I'm, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm a fairly oppositional, defiant person. Yeah, and, I feel and, that. <laughs> and thought that maybe, thought that maybe you know, um, playing something loud would. Um, piss off the parents. Yeah. <laughs> I, I thought that, that was a good idea. At it's the an time. expression. <laughs> it is. It worked, worked for me. <laughs> right. <laughs> Did they come to love it? No. <laughs> I feel that. <laughs> this kind of brings my show full circle because I've mentioned you and other um, artists have mentioned you a lot in our shows, just like organically, a lot of times. It's crazy. From um, wow. Iron Mike, SK Novelist, Cosmo, Macho. Um, mm-hmm. Adam, Swave, of course, and Joey Zen, most yeah. recently. Um, and yeah, you've, you've really touched a lot of members of the art community out here um, by imparting your, your wisdom on them. Um, I know Iron Mike called you the sensei, sen- sensei, damn, I can't even say it right now. <laughs> 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 the, the sensei of uh, like the art field, especially out here. Oh. Um, Thanks. Yeah, of course. Surprise. Oh, no, no, for real. Like, you're really, you're doing great work. Like, Thanks, man. no Appreciate doubt about it. it. Um, but so most local artists uh, never really get the opportunity to go to college. So um, that's why I wanted to bring you on, just to bring a little bit more awareness of what they can do to better what they're doing with their art. Starting off, yeah. um, many local artists have a very limited <coughs> budget, so they can't hire anyone to hire anyone outside to help them with, you know, their marketing, just yeah. with the different sectors that every, every business needs. Um, do you have any advice for, for artists just starting off that don't have much of a budget? Um, on the marketing side, mm-hmm. um, 
some, I think, um, some. Right. Um, I, th- I think one of the most powerful things that, uh, that any artist can do without, you know, being blessed with going to programs like this yeah. is to basically observe. Um, watch what, mm, I guess the best way to say it is, is watch what, what the market or people actually consume for art. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if you're, I'll, I'm sorry to use the music example again. Oh, no, please. If you're watching, uh, um, if you're really into one specific genre, mm-hmm. one of the most important things you can do is watch, ba- um, basically people watch the people that go to these shows. And you can really pick up, a, you can really pick up a lot about what that market does. So, you know, you can pick out ages, you can pick out um, demographic stuff. You know, male, female, right, stuff like right, that. Right, right, um, You can also, uh, you can also at the same time observe how those artists are holding themselves and the marketing that they're doing. So, you know, you can look at very, you can look at interesting things. You can look at the posters. You can look at what the yeah. venue um, provided those guys as far right. as marketing. You can, um, you can look at designs as far as the merch that they sell mm-hmm. and the kind of merch. Um, some bands. Um, I mean, a lot of bands, for example, still go after the whole T-shirt, you know, yeah. you know and hoodie thing, which is fine. Mm-hmm. Um, but some are diversifying and really looking at at merch as an art form in and of itself, where you know the mediums change, but the logos still get stamped. You know, so um, so that's one way to do it is basically watch, and then and then once you do that a, a lot, I think I think it, you know, I mean, you need there's always different groups of people going to different shows, right? Yeah, so, yeah, for sure. So once you get that sort of down and you start observing people, then the next thing you really need to do is sort of like watch where they go after and just sort of, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, which, okay. which restaurants are they going to? Yeah. Which bars are they going to? That ec- economic impact. In a way, yes. Mm-hmm. So basically you kind of want to see, see and observe your market at that show yeah, and then yeah. where do they go after? Because if you know where they go after – then you can basically make an. Then you basically have an oh. idea of how much money they have in their pocket. Okay. So you know if they're going to a dive bar, you know that they're that they're not or McDonald's. You know that they don't really have a lot of cash. Sure. But if they're going to you know a fairly decent, fairly nice, um, sit down restaurant, something like that, mm-hmm. then you know how much money they have. Right. Right. So so once you sort of know the quote disposable income. Mm-hmm. Of that group, then then you can hopefully start marketing and start talking to them. Right, you know you know know how to talk to them, which channels to reach them. Yep, that's yep. amazing. Hold on, for a second. I gotta check. All right, we're good. I was paranoid. I thought my mic wasn't working for a second. <laughs> we're all good though. Um, good. Yeah. So I wanted to cover a couple of topics that we've covered throughout the minor that sure. I think is important to highlight and mm-hmm. that people can really utilize. Um, first of all. Um, I want to talk about ecologies, mm-hmm. um, and particularly like buzz. That that's a I feel like it's a key component of any art venture. It is. Um, yeah. Do you want to talk on that a little bit? Yeah. Um, the ecology thing is something that um, that I developed uh, when I first started teaching arts entrepreneurship as a PhD student um, at UT, and um, and I I had a lot of you know great mentors over there, um, really fantastic ones actually, and um, they said teach it, and there was no curriculum for this field right like basically none everybody was well what little was there was basically borrowed from the b school mm. so um business for y'all that don't know sorry <laughs> now you're good <laughs> speaking in code here <laughs> yeah. yeah so uh so a lot of the stuff was um was basically borrowed borrowed from the b school not that that's a bad thing mm-hmm. but it's not art right yeah and when we're talking about an arts venture we're talking about an aesthetic product in other words a beautiful product something mm-hmm. that possesses beauty however we define it. Right, right. So that means that the B-School can give us, you know, a lot of good information, but it can't give us all of it. So um, so since we didn't have any curriculum, no textbooks or anything like that, um, yeah, I none. I mean, try teaching with no textbook. Um, <laughs> and sure. that's why I fixed that and yeah, wrote a textbook. Yeah, I was about to say, you, you wrote, you, and I love the, the 375 book. In the, in the 365, they really... Like those are like my main pieces of reading that I take from your classes. Oh, cool. Yeah, it's just, it's just so well put together and it explains it pretty well. Oh, cool, thanks, man. You don't have to really decode anything like with some of the other readings. <laughs> uh, ho- hopefully not. Hopefully not. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, the the ecology thing basically came from a lot of reading. Um, um I was getting my uh, PhD in musicology, so music history. 
So, um, so kind of like ancillary to that, um, I was sort of like investigating arts policy, and that's just basically people having quote ideas to make art more productive or spread out more, distributed mm-hmm. more. And um, and I got really really interested in that. And uh, and one of the things that they sort of didn't say explicitly, but implicitly said was that the arts of any kind, just pick one, mm-hmm. basically lives 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 in their own system. Yeah, I'm like, damn. If the art, if every art form lives in their own system, I think I can prove that it does because at the time I was doing a lot of like classical music. Okay, and but before that, it was all you know metal and shred and all that. Mm-hmm. So, um, so uh, my experience with the record industry, I sort of like made a map, basically a small ecology, an ecological system of how the record industry works, and I thought that was kind of cool. So yeah, then I it moved is. it over to classical music, and that system is very different. Even though there's record companies and stuff, it doesn't really operate in the same way. Mm-hmm. So it stresses and weights um, other aspects of, quote, that world. And it occurred to me that I had these two pieces of paper, and I'm like, wow, this is um, bloody well how, how the damn things work. And if I had known that, then I could have made way, uh, much better decisions when I was touring, touring with my bands. Right. right. Um, so I just started this whole uh, um, ecology system um, based on that, based on, geez, you know, I, one, I got to teach it, and two, I don't want all this B-school stuff going on. Mm-hmm. And, it's an, and, you know, we're, you know, I was teaching in an arts college. Right. So let's, let's think about entrepreneurship and really focus on the art side of things because that, is what separates arts entrepreneurship from non-arts entrepreneurship is we have special stuff. We have yeah. like this goo, right? <laughs> For real. So so um slowly but surely I just I just started um developing and, and experimenting a lot with with teaching the ecologies. And once I got to um Yeah, it's <clears> fascinating. <throat> For real. Oh thanks. Yeah, um, once I got to to a South Carolina and I and I had to start I had to start a program. Right. Then I had to like um, really, really get to the first, um, the first solidification of the idea. Yeah, that must have been crazy starting it all off for the first time. Not, it was, not, it was weird. Everybody was confused. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure. Mm. But um, another thing I wanted to go over was um, go over a little bit more about branding, mm-hmm. um, specifically about how artists can build their identity and what all goes behind that, how they can portray that. So like, mm. like logo, artist statements, things like that. Yeah. Um, when we're talking about that part, um, as you know, that, that stuff can get really complex. Um, I think you have to look at it briefly. Right. Yeah, yeah. Briefly, I think you have to look at it in two ways. One, what you want to do. And two, what the market is going to be actually receiving. So if you kind of go behind the scenes a bit, in essence, what, what we're doing is is one person's identity, the artist, um, is um, that identity is out there. When mm-hmm. a market, when an arts market um, hears that and consumes that art, um, some, you know, because we have a special goo, um, some markets actually listen to that art and they make it a part of their own personal identity. Right. And we all do that with different things sometimes, mm-hmm. you, know, what, you know, pick an art form or sports or whatever it is. Definitely. And, um, and once that, and, and, and that's what we try to do, um, I think, in many respects as artists, is we try to, maybe, and, and, I, and I think without, without knowing it, um, well, some art forms, I mean, hip-hop and rap are really, really good at this. Mm-hmm. Um, what they do um, is, they, is they basically speak an identity on stage. Right. And the market is just naturally there. S- most art forms have to really struggle um, to get that market going uh, okay. and to get that identity um established interesting um a lot to a lot to i mean 2d artists have it really hard yeah definitely dancers are that's like almost impossible um huh. yeah i never thought about that yeah yeah um it's really tough i mean i mean that's the great thing about hip-hop and rap is yeah that, i never realized yeah um it's it's very there's no decoding that needs to go on yeah um <laughs> with, with the mother art forms there's a lot of decoding mm-hmm. that, that needs to go on right um, unless, unless you're a really, really good, very hip, you know, 2D artist like Banksy, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. there, it, 
there's some decoding that has to go on because you have to be an, an aware person to really get to get all the meanings yeah. of the images. The intrinsic value. The intrinsic <laughs> value of all that. Scoring bonus points right now. Yeah, exactly, you are. So, yeah. So, um, um, so anyway, when it comes to to identity construction in the market, that that stuff is really really important, and getting that and trying to communicate that or trying to do that through brand, you know, typical sort of B-school branding things. Mm-hmm. That does work. There's no doubt that it doesn't. You know, right. I mean, everybody wears T-shirts, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, so so that's a nice, easy way that the B-school would understand. And and we understand that, too, because, um, because that, ten- that tends to be our experience. And, you know, when we put those T-shirts on, we're, we're saying to the world that this is a part of our identity. Mm-hmm. So when you're starting out, the... When you're starting out, it's sort of tough because because you never know if the identity that you that you're broadcasting from stage is really going to not only hit the market. We ha- we we always wonder if it's going to hit the market quote right right right, and 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 that's the I mean that's why we as artists are the most powerful people on the planet. It's because we, it's because we have we have more guts than anyone. Yeah, way more guts than anyone because because we're the people up there, and many people would I mean many would say that that artists are, you know that you know that they just want all this all this attention. Sure, I'm sure some do. Mm-hmm. Um, I certainly never did. Right, and a lot of the musicians and artists that a lot of the musicians that I've played with, yeah. and the artists that I've talked to, I I don't think I've heard one. Who said, you know, I want people to look at me? Yeah, yeah. Uh, most of them are saying, you know, um, I'm doing something and I feel compelled to get it out. Right. And that's where, and that's where I think we we see true art. And I think audiences, mm-hmm. markets, I think that they, in, I think that they implicitly, intrinsically recognize that. That's the authenticity of. And the power of what we do is that is is that you know if we're going to be burying our soul on stage, whether it be culturally, personally, mm-hmm. mentally, whatever, yeah. Um, if we're going to be doing that, then that then we're taking a tremendous risk. But this risk could this risk is also it's a powerful risk for us, but it could be an even more powerful risk for our markets mm-hmm. and for our audiences. When that happens, if they can attach. A little, if if they can attach a little bit of our identity to themselves, yeah, that's the beginning of a market, right? That's the very very beginning. Um, that's the goal. That's the goal, and it's tough, you know. I mean, I mean, it, it doesn't happen automatically, right? Yeah, yeah. You really gotta be aware of of how you're presenting your work, and like mm-hmm. the artist is the artist their brand itself, or they just represent the brand. I forget how you put it. It depends on it. Well, it depends on the market you're kind of trying right. trying yeah, to go yeah, for, that's, right? That's a whole other <laughs> thing. Yeah, right. Rabbit hole. <laughs> that is a rabbit hole. Um, um, the is the artist the brand? Um, extrinsically, I mean, on the surface, yeah. Mm-hmm. Intrinsically, no. Yeah, um, yeah. It's not. I mean, the art is really the brand, and how it hits um, your market is really the brand. So. So it's, so it works both ways. It, 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 yes, it looks that way, and the and the B and the B school would say, of course it is, and they would be right at that level. But again, since we got special goo, um, <laughs> it's really is all about the intrinsic stuff. Yeah, and that's the beauty of this because because whatever we do in art, um, it's so bloody magical. Right. And since I mean, if Plato and Socrates, Kant, Schopenhauer couldn't figure this out, couldn't figure art out. Then, then we, as the most powerful people on the planet, are really playing with a mystery that no one else wants to play with. But they still want it really, really badly, and they don't know why. Mm-hmm. I still don't know why I listen to the music yeah. that I do. I have no clue. Right, and like even researchers can't figure it out, right? Yep. Like it has been researched a little bit. Yeah, um, a little bit. A lot of the extrinsic aspects um, have been fairly well established. So, okay. you know, age. Culture, geography, mm-hmm. um, education, and you know some of the more traditional stuff. Yeah, definitely. So, so it isn't like that part's wrong. Mm-hmm. It's just a matter of how much it's weighted. Yeah, yeah. There's another element to it. Uh, yeah, yeah. There's a there are there's definitely another element to it, and that's how I guess the brain or perhaps even the soul yeah. um, really processes 
um, the art that's coming at them. Mm-hmm. You know, and and that's sort of the mysterious part. I mean, yeah, you, you know, I mean, you could take two people of the same age in the same city, went to the same high school, who had who had ostensibly the same, uh, you know, parental makeup yeah, and yeah. money and all that, and and you can see that's that you know they may like the same genre but they may not like the same artists in those mm. genres. And the question is why? Yeah. Right? And they may have very, very deep disagreements about it, and sometimes they won't have, and sometimes these, these disagreements <laughs> or agreements, passionate. yeah, won't be nearly as deep. And the question is why? And that's what we don't really know. Yeah. That's the beauty of it too, though. Like you said, there's beauty and mystery. Yeah. <laughs> there certainly is. There certainly is, and I hope we never figure art out. Right, right. Yeah, yeah, I do feel that. I do appreciate that that perspective, like I said before, um, and that kind of touches on um, when you're marketing, mm-hmm. you want to engage the as many senses as possible, as possible, and um, even want to consider the sixth sense, whatever that might mean to you, and it means something different to everybody, mm-hmm. and that that basically is what we were just talking about, right? Yeah, basically that's it. Um, um, on the mar- yeah, um, on, on on the marketing side, since art is is perceived and consumed via our senses, um, it's best that we speak to others in the same way. So, mm-hmm. so um, as I've said many times in 365, <laughs> um, um, value statements, positioning statements, yes. and artist statements need to be as sensory loaded as possible. Yeah. So talk about, you know, talk ha- about how it sounds, how it, how it makes you feel, what you can smell when you view this, mm-hmm. or what you can feel. And the sixth sense thing, um, I think it's also massively important because I think yeah. that, um, just personally speaking, mm-hmm. I, th- I think that that really connects to, um, to the way that art hits us. I have no idea how, but I've always felt just intrinsically. No, I, I feel it too. That 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 whatever you want to call a sixth sense mm-hmm. in art, um, they just latch on. They're like they're like two pieces of a puzzle. Yeah, <laughs> and there's more pieces. But those are two pieces that I think we can interlock actually fairly well, and that's been proven throughout history. I mean, just just pick a culture, yeah. Um, and and for some reason, there always tends to be art around some ritual of some kind. I mean, people may call it religion or whatever, mm-hmm. but but that's the interesting thing about about the way that um, human beings really process that sixth sense thing. I think some. Um, I think some cultures really, really rely on ritual to the point of where it's so critical that it has to be very choreographed. Mm-hmm. But there's always art around, yeah. Whether it be visual or auditory, right, or or even olfactory, right. So, so, so there's all sorts of art that goes along with a sixth sense uh, interpretation or or you know understanding, right, right, of whatever it is. I mean, art's everywhere. Yeah, we, we just we may not recognize it because there's so much of it. Dropping bombshells. Uh, back to the statements, real quick. I don't want to go too deep, but I just yeah. want to mention like two to three sentences per value uh, artist and, and positioning statements. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, yeah. Two to three sentences max. I Y'all mean, can Google what those are too. Yes, set set the at your fingertips. <laughs> they are, they are, and 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 thank you to the B School who um who right. actually got that for us. Okay, and, and and they've got that stuff worked out. So thank you to those guys. But still, at the same time, we get to use it in our way. So what so what we'll do to make us different because we got the special goo, is we'll is is we'll leverage all the sensory stuff mm-hmm. um, for all our value statements and all that. And the B school doesn't need to do that because for the most part, they don't have special goo. Most well, they do, but they don't really use it at all. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's, it's something that artists uh, kind of naturally take advantage of. I think that that goo. Um. Well, or not take advantage, but like it's more. Uh, uh, what's the word? It's more present in in art fields. It's mandatory in art fields. Yeah, okay. um, that's a good for, way to put yeah, it. Yeah. Um. For, for 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 anybody who's listening, the magic goo we're talking about is something called aesthetics. Ah. Yeah. And and that's why we read um, philosophy. We mm-hmm. we read aesthetics, which is art philosophy. Um, in our marketing course. And the reason why is because um, I've been a very, very big fan of observing, like I said at the very beginning. And what I've, and what I've observed is that, is that the best arts marketing always happens when an artist or someone smart interrogates a piece of art, pulls out different pieces, and then communicates that. 
and that's yeah. and that helps to pull out identity. Yeah, interrogate your art. That's the that's the most critical marketing thing I think we can do, and and we're not trained to do that. I was never trained. Yeah. I wasn't trained to do exactly. that until until my PhD. Mm-hmm. And, and it's stupid that you have to wait that long. Yeah, for sure. That's just stupid. So, um, so you know, if we pull out that stuff, um, you know, like for example, what is what is the true essence of your music? If and it's probably twenty five things, but mm-hmm. if you, but if you can get one, yeah, and you can say, oh, okay. The real essence of what I'm writing or what I'm creating is this, mm-hmm. and try to remove it from yourself because yeah. I be, because you know it takes a while. A lot of it is self-reflective, but if you can pull out the the, um, the stuff that has nothing to do with a human being, mm. then all of a sudden you got wait. You say wait a minute, that's really something that probably other people would like to attach to their identity mm-hmm. because because when you interrogate it. And you really start to question what you're what you're getting at is is a truth, little t, yeah, a little t truth. <laughs> and if you can communicate a little t truth, right, to I, it appears as if human beings are um, are trying to gather truths. We're trying to make a collage of truths, right, right, right. You know, and and that creates us. That's a good way to put it. Yeah, you wanna after you're done interrogating it, you wanna communicate what what you got out of that interrogation. Yes. To, to your market. That's marketing. That's, exactly. That's good arts marketing. And that's that's what a lot of people don't realize, I feel like. But yes, that's what I'm trying to I'm trying to spread the word, the good word. <laughs> <laughs> well, trust me, that only happens here because my colleagues don't know what I'm saying oh. when I'm talking about that. <laughs> what do you mean interrogate your art? Oh, uh, that's so funny. Um, I love them. They're nice people. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I wanted to just go over some ideas that I might want to pursue after I graduate. Sure. Um, so right now I have an internship with um, a bar called Slow Dive in Norfolk. They're an art gallery slash venue. They do like a lot of art expo- art exhibitions along with like shows and stuff. So they're mm-hmm. combining like different mediums. Cool. Um, so I don't really know what exactly, um, what type of opportunities will come out of that. But one idea that <coughs> has really stuck with me and I've thought about deeply since going through the minor is um, facilitating artistic retreats. And I talked to you a little bit about this yeah. before, but essentially like going out to the mountains or to the beach, a big house where we can bring a lot of creatives together, build off of that energy, but also like have some structure and productivity to it. Like mm-hmm. by, by bringing in workshops and like even icebreakers, just helping people get to know each other and essentially networking. And that's generally the gist of what I want to do. I just wanted to, speak that out loud <laughs> manifest it <laughs> i think it's a good idea um um structure is cool um i will say that um a- after meeting a lot of artists and working with a lot yeah um you, i will say that that as soon as everybody knows the, who they are mm-hmm. and what medium they work in yeah and after you see and experience um everybody's stuff it's fairly easy to just have someone say, you know, make it blue, and and all of a sudden it'll just happen yeah. naturally, organically, okay, and things like that. Sure. Um, the icebreaker thing is is definitely important. Mm-hmm. Um, I would argue, um, because in that way you know who you can who you can leverage. I guess if you right. want to say yeah, it, if sure. you want to say, say it that way. Um, and also at the same time, I think that um, that when you get artists together and stuff like that, um. A nice calm area. Yeah, yeah, exactly. In nature. And, uh, yeah, well, yeah. Um, a nice relaxed area. Um, it doesn't necessarily have to be in a nature place. Mm-hmm. Um, but just relaxed tends to work well. Yeah. This said, it also depends on other genres you're trying you're trying to mix up. Yeah. For if sure. that if that's your goal, unless you want to get you know the same genre together in different ways. Yeah. I don't know. I think I'd be open to having multiple genres. It just really depends who's interested and um, what type of uh, artist or what type of artist in my market I can reach with yep. that. Um, but yeah, I definitely wouldn't want to have too much structure either. Um, some, some yeah, like just exactly. enough. Some you like want uh, just enough. Some uh, guardrails. Yeah, essentially. Yeah, big highway. Yeah. lots of lanes. Yeah, it's n- it's not gonna be a big ass party like we did last time. <laughs> Me and my <laughs> friends, we got a, a big house on in uh, the Outer Banks in Kill Devil Hills, 
And we essentially did that. We didn't even really know that we were doing that. We just kind of did it. Oh, wow. <laughs> like, okay, this is a thing. Oh, and, like, cool. We had, like, DJ sets. Like, there's, like, three stories. It's, like, a spiral staircase. Uh, it was. We really made a, a lot out of the space. Wow. And, like, yeah, there's DJ sets, people shooting music videos, people making music, people making art, visual art, mm -hmm. like, all of that. And that's that's when I really discovered the value in, like, collaboration and community which is something totally i preach a lot on my shows that that's just a key component to any art field but especially um little a art yeah. so when we say that we mean um non-elitist the little a can be elitist but that's a whole nother rabbit hole it is <laughs> but um it is it is the easiest, easiest way to think about it is is, is big a art is classical mm -hmm. okay so, fine so art, the right? fine arts right little a art is everything else exactly yeah yeah, and so I think, yeah, just community community is key because like, mm -hmm. in Virginia Beach and even out here in Carolina, I've heard the same thing. But like five years ago, people weren't supporting each other in their music. You know, mm -hmm. there's you know a lot of quote hating going on. Yes, just people just weren't willing to celebrate each other's successes. Mm -hmm. And um, I've I'm seeing that change, and I think due to that change and also the um, accessibility to technology nowadays, that's starting to propagate. Mm -hmm. um, the art and music field in a whole new way that I don't think has really been seen before. I think you're totally right. I I will say, um, I think that I I think that that oscillates. It's it's sort of like a sine wave, um, and mm. and that's also and, and that has some some geographic tendencies as well. Right. You know. I mean. Yeah. I mean, growing up in New York and all that. Yeah, that it's different in major cities too. In, in major like, cities, it's different, right? Exactly. You're 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 totally right because. Because there you have a lot of people, and and inevitably you're gonna get haters, and <laughs> you're just gonna. So, I, I so would say haters is a sign of success. <laughs> could be, could be, yeah. I mean, I get it. Um, but then again, but then again, I mean, you know, in other parts of the country, even I mean, even at the same time in the Southwest, um, you know, you know, I hung out in the Southwest a little bit, just yeah. had some friends, um. And uh, and everybody was really really cool. I mean, the jewelry makers were were, were way cool, but right. you, but but you could tell they were kind of like on edge because a lot of people make jewelry down there. And oh yeah yeah yeah, the market is kind of like saturated. closed, right? So yeah, exactly. Competition essentially. Yeah, it's all about the turquoise. Yeah, yeah it's turquoise <laughs> and silver. Okay. Um, but um, but still they were um, but still they were relatively you know cool. But still at the same time back home, it was like oh my god, you know. You know, bass player X now has a band and is going to be competing with me, yeah. and he'll be getting all the shows, et cetera, et cetera. Therefore, I hate his guts. When in fact, you know, you could have a different attitude about it, and you could say, "Oh, well, well, sure, he's my competition now, but at the same time, he's just my competition. It doesn't mean that. Yeah, it doesn't mean anything else other than that. Exactly. You don't have to have um, bad feelings about the person, but still recon yeah. recognize that that is your competition, yeah. and you can you can still coexist. You can co exactly you can coexist and and hopefully what I certainly what I tried to do and was sometimes successful at not all the time, um, but sometimes successful in um in actually in actually innovating the art or innovating the business side of things. Yeah, essentially, you don't need to make your business personal. That, that's kind of I think what we're getting at. I think you're right about that. Like um, between other people, like that. That, those bad feelings. I think you're right, and and at and at the same time, I th I think it's how we construct our our identity. If we're going to construct our identity around a business, then you know, uh, then seeing competition as something that you need to hate makes some sense. Mm -hmm. However, if you're seeing your arts business as as about uh, something else, just not that, whether it, whether it's communicating, yeah, um, your identity, if it's uh, if you're trying to get a community together mm -hmm. or whatever, then all of a sudden competition is not competition. These are people that are going to be helping you. Yes. Yeah, actually, synergy, I, yeah, right? I, yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. I'm in a way. Yeah. In a way. I, I mean, absolutely. I mean, that's sort mm -hmm. of what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. Is, you know, is this idea of synergy. What can happen when you have this group of artists and you, and you give them a little, just a small guardrail? Yeah. Let's just watch what happens. Be <laughs> yeah. Because that's the fun stuff. Right. And it that is. and and that's where great ideas come from. Mm. They're very organic, they're spontaneous, um, and they likely have a lot more aesthetic content than the stuff that is tends to be commercially produced. Exactly. Yeah. And another key component to this that 
you really opened my eyes to is arts infrastructure mm-hmm. and like in bigger cities you know they've had the labels they've had the venues and that that definitely gives them uh more of an opportunity to showcase their work yes versus like out here in carolina and virginia and i know a whole lot of other states really just the states in between the major cities they it's it took them longer to get there i feel like i think you're totally right and a lot of the a lot of the arts infrastructure that exists in rural areas tends to be oh, and yeah. ten, tends to be smaller mm-hmm. um they they tend to go up and down a lot they so they'll, they'll change ownership yeah, a lot yeah. and and they tend to cater to only one or two genres or mediums yeah rural rural art is a whole another thing i know that's something you've been working on yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, basically, where I grew up was, I mean, there was a lot, there was a lot more trees than mm-hmm. buildings. So <laughs> that's a good thing to hear, honestly. <laughs> I liked it. I thought it was great. Yeah, I love um, it. Yeah. So, so yeah. Um, on on the rural side um, of arts entrepreneurship, that to me is an area that 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 to the field simply has not addressed at all. Period. Right. They they, they haven't. So 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 for example, just just here in North Carolina, um, um, I know that there's some bluegrass players um on in the western part of the state mm. that are bloody out of control yeah and the question is, is 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 how do they sustain themselves right and and when you have guys and women playing like that um and they don't have i mean you just wonder why omgs like they're not they're not making a boatload of cash there's no record contracts they they, they don't have a big mm-hmm. marketing firm behind them mm-hmm. you know and you know what's happening with that what does this mean? If there's all this great art, then what happens? It's sort of like the if a tree falls in the forest thing, right? So right. if some dude if, if some dude is 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 just shredding a mandolin <laughs> and no one hears it, is it art? Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. All I do know is is that I want to hear it, right? And I want that person to continue to make money doing that mm-hmm. and continue to support themselves by playing that stuff because I want to hear it. And my guess is, is that other people want to hear it too. Yeah, for sure. And, but you know, it's still hard when you don't have a lot of venues, you have to rely on, on festivals. Mm-hmm. And if you're relying on festivals then that, then that likely means that you're traveling. Yeah. If you're traveling, then you're away from your loved ones a lot. Yeah. So, so I'm, I mean, I mean, you know, we all make sacrifices for what, for what we need, mm-hmm. but still at the same time, um, um, the field of arts entrepreneurship as an academic field mm-hmm. just has not addressed this, and and it, and it makes right. me crazy. But but it's a it's a new discipline or a new exactly. field. Exactly. Yeah. And just like um, I feel like with the cities, suburbs, and rural areas, like the cities, culture I feel like is is more aged, more developed maybe, versus like the suburbs that I've experienced at least. Um, just due to the sheer amount of people that are in major cities and. That just causes interactions on its own, mm-hmm. and with the suburbs and rural areas being more spread out. Uh, mm-hmm. Spread out, they're not exposed to as many people, and they can't really build off of each other. Yeah. That's how I've always kind of looked at it. Um, I think in part you're right. Mm-hmm. Um, I think another aspect, and this wouldn't be the the um the fix, but mm-hmm. but but we also have to look at capital. I mean, we have to look at infrastructure. Again, yeah, right? yeah. Exactly. So so to build infrastructure, you need cash, mm-hmm. or you need assets of right. some kind. And if you don't have those assets, then you know having a desire to you know to start this venue on this road that you know forty five people go on in an hour may not may not actually occur. Yeah, yeah. So so in many respects, you need you need you need assets, but assets are that that's a large term mm-hmm. because there's financial assets, there's cultural assets, there's networking assets, there's uh, there's bank assets. Yeah, right. And there's all sorts of stuff, and there's legal assets. You know. Yeah, yeah, so many I'm, things you wouldn't even think of that totally that go into it. Totally, and this is it. exactly, and this and this is where thankfully the B school does help us oh, out yeah. because they have this stuff all worked out, and they've had it worked out for a while, and thankfully um, we can if we want to if we're really serious about something um, before we you know go launching into it we can actually um, we, we can actually ask those folks and start reading those books and taking those classes mm-hmm. because. Um, because there's a lot of it that will be applicable, yeah. For even sure. even in a rural environment. But this said, yeah, yeah. This said, mm. um, rural entrepreneurship, which is a thing, um, yeah. is uh, in the B school, mm-hmm. is happening. Um, and there's a fantastic guy whose name I just forgot, 
um, over at ECU. Okay. And he's really, really big into uh, into into business, uh, rural entrepreneurship. He's a fantastic guy. Right. And the and the literature in that field, in the B school side of rural entrepreneurship, is crazy good. It's, I mean, for a geek like me, it, <laughs> it's, it is crazy good. And and these folks are doing really, really great work. And and I think you know we're just on the cusp of seeing that work actually impact mm. those folks who are not doing the arts. It's now now that that stuff is out there. Yeah, people like me with letters after the name like me doing what I do. It's our responsibility to take that stuff um, from the B school and say, okay, this is what they say. Now let me go out mm-hmm. and and talk to that shredding mandolin player in the middle yeah. of the woods. Right? Um, and Be then a good try conversation. <laughs> we could have a good conversation. Like like like, why is your instrument tuned upside down? <laughs> um, so so I'm um, bringing I'm um, bringing that I'm um, bringing what that person needs and their experience and their culture, their desires, their identity, um, to to basically scholarships and to our scholarship and to our field helps students. And that and and right. that and that's really what professors do is we read other people's stuff and then we do our own research. We kind of combine them and then try to make make our students' lives better. Yeah, it's all about that uh sorry, I forgot what I was gonna say. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> but um I did wanna mention that um with the the collaboration and the partnerships with, yeah. um, especially with North Carolina, how so much business is coming in, it's really ramping up out here. Yeah. Um, but I know someone, um, they're actually all over the state. It was, the brand is Noriex Valley, but they have a friend in Charlotte who's, who has a startup company um, that has been very successful and they have a nice piece of property. Mm-hmm. And my friend, he's actually gonna have a uh, festival of sorts on their property, like basically a partnership. And um, cool. It's just really cool to see like non-arts businesses partner with arts businesses in that in that realm, and I and think that's, yeah, um, we need more of that. Exactly, I was about to say that's that's something that needs more awareness around, especially partnerships in general, because um, there's a rapper named Tia Corinne, I actually just interviewed her. Um, she's out of Winston Salem, and she's blowing up. Like she's really going to be the one eventually. Cool. Yeah, it's, Great. it's really exciting. Good, but um. Yeah, she has a had a partnership with Bojangles. She made a song for Bojangles, music video and all. And that just kind of blew my mind. I don't really see a lot of rappers doing that. And I think that there's a whole lot of potential to be had out of that. I think you're totally right. I think that, that in many respects, some of, the, some of the entrepreneurial stuff that is available to us as artists, um, we're not doing in part because, um, not, I'm not because we you know, we're lacking in creativity. Um, I, I, I think it's because we're not trained to observe well, and I, mm-hmm. and I don't think that we're trained to, to put two and two together. Yeah, um, we're artists, right? <laughs> well, well, exactly. I mean, we're artists, and what we tend to do, um, if you're a trained artist of any kind, you, mm-hmm. um, you duplicate, right? So you, you know, or replicate, you know, you replicate this piece from Beethoven and, mm. you know, this piece from Van Gogh, whatever. Yeah. And, you know, and, and, and that's, how, that's how we build skills. We're not taught to, uh, we're not taught to, as I said, interrogate our art. Mm-hmm. We're also mm-hmm. not taught, um, because there's virtually none um, in quantity, um, we're, we're not taught how to read case studies of artists. Yeah. You know? And if we're not taught to read case studies about artists, then then how are we supposed to put two and two together if I don't know what these five people did as examples? Because if you if you have five if you read five case studies on artists doing entrepreneurial stuff, mm-hmm. um, then hopefully you can say, well, this person did this and this person did that. They're kind of similar, and I bet you that that that, uh, that they could go together as a thread. Right, exactly. Now, even though the business school they have the whole case study thing worked out to like a T, it's mm-hmm. crazy. Um, and that's one thing that we don't have in the in arts entrepreneurship yet, or in the arts period. Mm-hmm. We have history, which sort of like looks like a case study. Yeah, yeah, kind of pretty vague though. <laughs> well, if you're in it, it's not exactly vague. Okay. Um, but the textbooks are vague. <laughs> right, right, then, right. No doubt about that. No doubt about that. Um, I, yeah, I mean, who wants to read a Beethoven hand score? You know, it's like, I don't know, E flat? I don't know. Well, um, my point is, is that, is that, um, is that as, as artists, if we're in a training structure, 
we're not trained to observe and we're not really trained to put two and two together. We're mm-hmm. trained to replicate. If you're not in that structure, I was not in that structure for a long time. Right. Um, what you end up doing is you end up getting what you can when you can. Yeah. So if you, like me, mm-hmm. um, if you couldn't read music early on, yeah. if your ear wasn't that good early on, mm-hmm. the only thing that you had was theory. Mm. You know, yeah, yeah. You know, you know, how is this put together? So if you're lacking, you kind of overcompensate. And that's all you see because that's kind of like the only thing you can do. So all of a sudden it's tunnel vision. And but it's tunnel vision on the other side too. Because yeah. you're just duplicating and that's tunnel vision. Yeah. And and your own t- tunnel vision is kind of cool in a way, mm-hmm. but it's not it, but both lack the broadness yeah. to really understand you know how to recognize an opportunity, how to leverage an opportunity, how to put you know how to put how to, um how to put my rap um, into a Bojangles thing, yeah. and then make it work, and 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 have the smarts um, to to do the networking around it, and all the marketing around it, and and people around it as well to actually make it work. That that I think um, should be should be where all of us should be going educationally on the art side, um, no matter the art form. Is yes, do we need to know? We need to understand the art form to the best of our knowledge. And we need to produce the art form to the best of our knowledge. But we also have to live through the art form to the best of our knowledge. And life requires food and Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Yeah. Okay, you need food, you need shelter, you need people to love you. Mm-hmm. And and if you can't support yourself with that, yeah. then, then all of a sudden we've got a problem. And this is why um, I'm going to go back to, to something I said before. Mm-hmm. The reason why we are the most powerful people on the planet yeah, yeah. is because is is because it's uh, we produce something that human beings instinctively need, even though they don't know why. Mm-hmm. But look at the sacrifices that all artists make. Absolutely, it is incredible, and <laughs> I've certainly made my own. The work ethics. The work ethic is crazy. And but 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 the consequences of of what we do, we, we, which which we can't even write down on a piece of paper, um, are really massively incredible. And it's not just us; it's been going on for a long, long time. And unfortunately, our training structure, whether it be through school or not, is lacking. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It, right, right. So we can't just like go and get an MBA, right? Mm-hmm. So so because because art is so huge. You can't understand all of it. We have to pick and choose. Yeah, we got to, different pieces to the same puzzle. Exactly, exactly. And we, we, we may be putting together the, the same puzzle mm-hmm. with different pieces. The B-School, on the other hand, it's it's not that way. Mm. Uh, no, those guys have all the pieces. Yeah, and yeah. they know exactly the puzzle. And good for them. For real. <laughs> Definitely good for them. But there's consequences on, on their side as well. And only they know. But I know that on our side, um, the way that the way that we the way that we decide to train ourselves, mm-hmm. um, I think, really makes a big, big difference in how we um, and basically our our outcome. You know? Yeah. I mean, as people, as artists, as human beings, who are supposed to you know be doing good things on the planet and for each other and everything like that. Um, I think that the art thing plays a far larger role than what it's being given credit for. For sure, for sure. Yeah, I hope y'all are taking notes. <laughs> but on that note, um, we're gonna switch the gears a little. Um, I also like to get to know the person behind the artist, or in this case, the person behind the professor. Um, yeah, just gonna ask you a few personal questions. Um, first off, I want to talk a little bit about your music career. Um, okay. So you you uh you toured around the country. Yep. Um, you want to talk about that for just a little bit? It was um it was basically the same part of the country. Um, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I had a um I had a, a Rush cover band when it wasn't popular. Okay. And yeah, so there's there's a lot of Rush going on, and yeah, and remarkably at the time I looked like I looked a lot like Alex Lifeson. So um, uh, I met my drummer at Berkeley. Um, so I went to Berkeley for a little while. And uh, he was great, and uh, we got a bass player, and we all liked the we all lo- loved the band, so we went and toured a while. Um, that was fun, um, uh, you know. 
made sure that, you know, I mean, in many respects, that's that's in part how I fed my daughter. Right. Okay. Was was actually doing that, and that's where I learned, and that's where I learned the industry mm. at the time. Right. Yeah. So I mean, the, the industry is different now. Way, 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 oh, way for different. Sure. Um, but there were, but there were like no books. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, I take the fact there was one book that no one could get through. <laughs> so, um, so everybody was learning at the same time. So mm-hmm. they were learning learning how to book, and they were learning how to do the marketing. Yeah. They were learning how to actually run a tour, right? And how to you know just do s- stupid things like make sure that everybody has a hotel room that night. You know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so logistics, yeah, logistics was it's pretty darn important. Yeah, it is. Yeah, so um, yeah, so that so 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 that part was fun, um, and I, I did that basically right, basically right out of high school for the most part. That's dope. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Um, that was good. So I did that for a little while. Um, um, had my own little record company like Joey Zen does. Right, um, right. I wasn't nearly as out front as he is. <laughs> he's amazing. He's killing it, <laughs> yeah, man. He is. I God, I wish I could do that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, he's doing great. Um, but I had um, basically, it, it was more of a distribution company, um, to a to a, to a, the EU, um, than anything else. Just basically some mm. friends, um, sort of in my more acoustic period. Yeah, yeah. You, you know, like you know, just doing a lot of wooden instruments. Ah, okay. In Boston nice. and all that. Um, and that and that was really fun. Um, and then, uh, and then. And then, you know, then the daughter thing was the daughter thing, right? So, you you know, you know, I mean, you can only like live in a, I mean, you can only make, you know, 15 grand for so long, (laughs) Um, (laughs) you know, you know, especially when there's doctor bills to pay, right? Mm -hmm, For sure. So, um, so, so I gave it music for a while. Mm. Um, uh, I've got a little electrical engineering degree. Okay. So, um. Little, so that so that helped a little bit too. No, it was little. It's little. Okay. Um. So, so that so that helped a lot. So I was I was fixing Max. Nice. I was fi- fixing Max for a while, and then I realized, oh okay. And then I realized that that my my life was horrible without music. Yeah. Oh, for so sure. So that's when I went back. Um. Uh. That's that's when I went went to back to school. Yeah. Um, you went to school a lot. <laughs> I went to school a lot. Um. Had some drops too. Yeah. Um. Um. You know, the self, self-produced stuff. Right, right. Um, but they were dropped, and okay, and that part was cool. I got, um, um, I got hired to play keyboards with a. You play keyboard? Well, <laughs> they thought I could. Yeah. <laughs> um, I got hired to to uh, to play keyboards for a UFO conspiracy band in Whoa. Portland, Maine. I swear to God. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, they were great, and they're great guys, and yeah, they're fantastic awesome. musicians. Um, yeah. So, um, so we got signed to a Young American there. Okay. Um, nice. Yeah. So, 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 you know, I mean, the young American thing did not work out well. Oh, okay. Un- yeah. As most learning lesson, right? Day. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it was a learning opportunity. Um, I'll tell you that. I'll save you from all that. I'll get angry. Um, I'm still angry. Darn it. Um, anyway. Um, yeah. So, yeah. So after that, um, um, after the, uh, after the UFO conspiracy band thing just didn't work out, um, I, um, I just continued on with school, and I went back. You know, mm-hmm. I, I was a returning student. Wow. Yeah. So, I was a returning student. I, I mean, I, I got into music school and couldn't read music. <laughs> I swear to God. Nice. But my theory chops were badass. Yeah, yeah. I had great theory chops. Okay. Still do. Um, <laughs> For so, sure. Yo, yeah. <laughs> because, because you know, I mean, I couldn't read music, and my ear was awful. So that's the only thing that I had, and you, you know, and I could still play. Yeah, play pretty yeah. good. So. Yeah, so um, so so after that, then 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 it was all music, and all I all I wanted to do was just was just learn learn about the history of music, and I never, you know, you know, there was never a goal. It's just like, mm-hmm. wow, maybe I can get get a get a bachelor's degree in music. Yeah, and then then I did, and then I'm like, well, I like this history thing, so maybe I can get a master's. If mm-hmm. I can, I can go back to fixing computers, right? <laughs> and that's what, and that and that's and that was how how I got to a PhD. Was like, well. I can always go back and fix computers <laughs> if things don't work out. Yeah, swear to God, that that's how I ran nice, my life yeah. for a while. Yeah, yeah um, no expectations or anything. It was very, very zen sort of like right. thing. Just sort of like, wow, you know, you, you know, this road seems to be opening up. Let's check it out. Yeah, I know. I kind of feel like I'm on a similar path. I just, I'm just letting things open up for me right now. Like I do have some backup plans I can follow on. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I'm just taking the opportunities as they come. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, good for you, and good for you, and good for you for learning it early, <laughs> Thank um, you. because there are not many who do. Um, yeah, um, that's probably a, a, a better way to 
to live life. I mean, we're talking about about, right. about, about the sixth sense thing. Yeah. One of the cool things I I, th- I think actually speaking about it, sixth sense and mm-hmm. the way that we make decisions about about life or music or art or anything like that um, is being willing to trust. And I think that, um, and, and I think this works in art too, if you watch animals, they have this really intrinsic trust with, with the environment that they're in mm. that we do not have. Right. And one of, the great things, uh, one of the great things about watching that and observing that is that we can learn lessons mm-hmm. about things. And, and if you watch animals just in the woods, um, it may seem as if they're doing stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I would argue that, yes, they are. But what they're doing is, is, they're, is they're actually trusting the environment to be in balance with their needs. Mm, and, yeah. they, and I think that they, they also intrinsically understand that, that a, a part of that balance may mean that they may not wake up. Right, right, yeah. And that, fact. yeah, and, 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 that, and that really their life is genuinely in the moment. And right. that's and that and that's what I think we can learn from our, our quadrupedal <laughs> friends <laughs> sure. um out there and our avian friends as well. Yeah. Is that um is, is, is this wonder, wonderful sense of trust in the moment. Mm-hmm. Um I I, I mean it, it I mean it's great to have big brains, right? But oh, yeah. still at the same time I I, um, I think that, that our big brains are not used and, and used um a hundred percent. Yeah, absolutely. The right way, and <laughs> I think we're missing a lot. Oh yeah. Um, um, you know, by not observing um, our friends in the forest and just watching what they do, and it just, it just some, just something as simple as, as being, as being in the woods for fifteen minutes, quiet, and not think about anything. It's one of the hardest things you can do. Yeah. It is. It, it, Not a lot of people do that either. That's true. That's <laughs> true. And and the reason why is 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 because it's hard. Yeah. But it's hard because we've lost the ability to do that. Right. It's, it's been a trade off, right? I, I mean, mm-hmm. there's been some good things. I love my car, right? Yeah, yeah. But still, at the same the time, the trade off with technology advancing um, in a way. Yeah. That's basically our distraction from. So, like, w- as humans, we w- we used to do that, mm-hmm. and yeah, we just we got away from that over time. And yeah, we, I think we forgot some things with I, that. I think you're right, but um, but I also think you, um, you found an interesting nail to hit, and that's that um, technology is a distraction. Yeah. <laughs> in in some some regards, I guess, I'm sure there's some debate around that. <laughs> well, I'd like to hear about this. So, like, talk to me, man. Um, technology. So, yeah, I mean, just essentially, like, we can go off of social media, for example, like. That's just, it's a drug, essentially. I mean, with, with what they came out with with Facebook. And, like, I just, I'm constantly picking up my phone. And, like, I catch myself, like, why am I doing this? Like, I don't even need to look at my phone right now. <laughs> and so that's that's one regard in our mind is, like, it's like we live in an ADHD society. Mm-hmm. And our, our attention spans are so short yeah. that, um yeah, we can't sit still and just clear our minds for 15 minutes. And that's why I meditate, actually. I try to meditate every day. Just, just to do that, and it is super hard, especially when you're first starting out, and like you start to just question like why you're even trying, and but eventually you just you gotta train your mind. And it, I th- exactly, I think you're totally right. I think I th- um um I'll go back to 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 my forest example. Yeah, be, yeah. Because I like your social media example. Um, my forest example is um um I uh, since I lived in a more rural area, for me going into the woods and just hanging, and not thinking about anything, just like listening. Mm. Just listening Sounds and smelling nice. is was very very easy, um, and now, you know, in adulthood, quote unquote, it's it's so hard all of a sudden, and I constantly ask myself actually the same thing. It's like, well, my God, you know, you know, when I was ten, this was not a problem. Mm-hmm. So what's changed? Society is so fast paced nowadays, and I think we have so many options and so many things going on. That that clutters our brain versus you know before technology, there were as many things going on just in people's personal lives. I you think that just takes up a lot of mind space, and it's a constant distraction even when you're not around it. You bring up an inter- you bring up another interesting point. I would also argue that before we got all all technified, <laughs> um, 
and, and I'm talking like the, even the wheel, right, um, right. even the wheel. Um, it seems to me as if we likely worried about the environment as well. Mm. Because when you think yeah. about it, yeah, because, because when you think about it, if you're just walking in the woods by yourself, think about all the stuff that you have to think about. Right, so you have to think about uh, about the feel of the of the forest floor on your feet. You have to think about what you hear. Mm-hmm. You have to th- you have to think about where you're going to put your next step and all that other kind of stuff. I think that I think that even when you're doing that, your mind's still working pretty good, and and I think and I think you hit something really really good when you were talking about technology because when you think about it. Um, you can, I think you can make a case that walking in the woods and thinking and really articulating what you have to think about there to do it correctly, mm-hmm. whatever that might mean. Yeah. Um, and now with technology, it's almost the same thing mm. because you're still feeling, you're not necessarily feeling with your body. Yeah. Yeah. But still you're feeling the need to pick up the phone. Mm-hmm. And the question is, is why? Mm-hmm. Right. So you asked yourself that question. Now, I would also ask the question um, at the same time, if you're if you're in the woods walking, why do you need to feel your feet anyway? Well, there's uh, two answers. Right. Yeah. So one answer is, is you don't want to fall into a hole. <laughs> right. Yep. Because over here, there's copperheads. Oof, so, yep. <laughs> ooh, I know. Yeah. Get those things away from me. Rattlesnakes are easier up north because you can always hear yeah. them. Anyway, because for the copperheads, you can't. Mm-hmm. Um, and and that's the extrinsic reason. But the intrinsic reason is, is I think, why don't you want to fall into that hole? Right. Is it just extrinsic and you got to save your life or is it, or is it something else? Hmm. And then on the technology side, it's like, why am I pick up, picking up my phone? Is it just because I feel a need or is it something else? Mm-hmm. I don't know. That's, that's deep. <laughs> on that note though we're running out of time um i wanted to ask you one more fun question sure um let's see uh, actually i'm gonna just ask you um who are some of your favorite artists right now um like, top three ish it can be any medium really um uh okay i know it's a hard question here i'll go first and yeah then you go you first go. so um music wise um i'll go off of what i grew up off of that i kind of built my my foundation of music off of uh my top three is tyler creator kid cuddy and asap rocky hmm. yeah yeah they have a lot of influence in my life asap <laughs> rocky yes absolutely you know I, about him yes i do nice yes i do um okay so for me i guess on the music side um, I'm a, um, I'm a big prog metal guy. So if it's, oh. co- yeah, so if it's complicated, I need to hear it. Yeah. Um, so, so I'm enamored with tool right now. Mm. Big tool fan. So they're at a prog. Uh, um, oh, Is that what you mean? No. <laughs> Progressive rock. Sorry. Not, I see. I not, see. I not, like, not, 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 <laughs> no, not prog the city. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So, um, tools, um, tools, a big one. Um, mm. Uh, and then, you know, I mean, the old school rush stuff is still, okay. you know, an important part of my of life. Of course, yeah. And, um, um, I'm not sure how I feel about Opeth anymore. Mm. Um, yeah, they're playing PRSs and that just, that's just not metal. Okay. But on the, on the 2D art side, yeah. um, I'm a massive Banksy fan. Okay. I like Banksy because, um, he, he makes you think. All, and on the photography on the photography side, I'm also a big um, Ansel Adams fan. Okay, I'm not familiar. Um, yeah, um, sounds familiar though. Yeah, um, he uh, he was the guy in the 20s, 30s, 40s mm. who took who took all those silver plate black and white photos of oh. of uh, Yosemite. Oh, okay, that kind wow. of stuff. Wow, so he's like one of the first photographers, right? Well, I don't think he was one of the first, but but um, he was he was he, he was okay. one of the first big American ones. Uh, okay. The guy was friggin' incredible. And um and he and he's he's taught me so much about how to look at things, I just, it's oh, insane. Okay. That that's the beauty about photographers. I mean, they see mm. stuff that we can't. Um, Interesting. Yeah. So so you know you know you know Banksy's Banksy's good. You know, tool side's pretty cool. Hell yeah. You know, so if like I said, if it's hard to play, I want to play it. <laughs> Love to hear it. Yeah. So I'm gonna start wrapping things up. 
Dr. B, it's been a pleasure. I've Same been, here. I've been looking forward to this for a minute. I really appreciate you imparting your wisdom with us today. Well, I hope it helps someone. Oh, and if and if anybody's it. in and if anybody's in Raleigh and enrolled and right, just like check out the minor. All you have to yeah. do is email me, and I'll be glad to talk to you about it. Yeah, North Carolina State students, check it out. It, it's really something else. It's it's unlike any other program, really. <laughs> Thanks. Um and. I appreciate each and every single one of you for tuning in. You can check out the interview I did with other local artists at wknc.org slash podcast and click on Off the Record. I am DJ Whippopotamus. This is Local Industry Talks, and I was here with Dr. Gary Beckman on WKNC 88.1 FM HD1 Raleigh. What's good, everyone? This is post-editing Whippo. I just had to say a few things. Um, as I said earlier, this is the very last episode of Local Industry Talks. I am graduating and moving back to my hometown of Norfolk, Virginia, because we actually have an amazing art scene out there, too. Um, but hopefully this is not goodbye, as I will be starting my own podcast called The Real Show. So feel free to follow me on Instagram at Whippopotamus spelled like hippopotamus but with a w in front to stay up to date on all that this is only one step in my journey in the art world i gotta shout out wknc for allowing me this opportunity and for welcoming me with open arms y'all have really made my college experience so much better and this has opened so many different doors for me i gotta give a special shout out to our student advisor jamie and our GM, Maddie, for their support and for giving me the creative freedom to do what I did. And one last shout out to all the underground DJs for holding it down. I'm going to miss y'all. Make sure you check out WKNC's schedule on WKNC.org to check out all of them. And again, for the last time, I am DJ Whippopotamus, and this was Local Industry Talks. And please don't forget... We are truly stronger together, which is why it is important that we show each other love and uplift one another as a community. Y'all be easy. <laughs>